0: This is the 10,000 Depositions Later podcast, episode 42. I'm Jim Garrity. Today's episode, Lessons from the Front Lines, the importance of thinking ahead when choosing documents to show non-party witnesses when getting them ready for their depositions, and clients too. This episode reports on two brand new court rulings, one out of Maryland, one out of New York, where judges either ordered the production of documents shown to a deponent by a lawyer, who was preparing them, or ordered that the documents be produced to the court so the court could then determine whether to order their release to the opponent. So you've got to be careful when choosing which documents you're going to use to prepare witnesses for their depositions to ensure that you are not inadvertently waiving either the attorney client or work product privileges. It happens. And perhaps give some forethought to whether you actually need to show the documents to the upcoming deponent, or whether you can get by simply by discussing issues relevant to the deposition based on the documents without actually showing them or emailing them to the witness. And I'll give you some practice pointers at the end of this episode. So why do courts sometimes require lawyers to cough up the collection of documents that they used to prepare a deponent? Well, one court put it this way, quote, the ability of a party to meet with a non-party witness, show him documents and ask him questions and then mask the entire preparation session in the cloak of work product protection would serve to facilitate even the most blatant coaching of a witness if it couldn't be the subject of inquiry. To allow the invocation of work product protection to succeed in such circumstances would leave the party taking a deposition with no remedy to determine how, if at all, the witness's testimony was influenced, not by advice from the witness's own counsel, but by suggestions from the questioner's adversary. By asking a witness questions, what topics he recalls were discussed, what questions he was asked, and what documents he was shown, the examiner seeks to discover how the preparation sessions affected the witness's testimony and do not demonstrate a mere naked attempt to inappropriately obtain legal opinions and strategies." Close quote. So that's the principle behind requiring production. It's based on basic principles of fairness and on ensuring that witnesses have not been unfairly manipulated. But it's also based on Federal Rule of Evidence 612, which is on point, and on the language of comparable rules of evidence in most states. Now, as you know, our lessons from the Frontline episodes are based on brand new cases issued by courts around the country. Keep in mind that these court rulings are literally fresh off the presses. That means there's been no time for a motion for reconsideration of the ruling an appeal, or other challenge. So these outcomes might change down the road. But we put these out there because more often than not, the rulings stand as is. And one purpose of this podcast is to get you the very latest in court developments, to keep you up to speed, and to give you a leg up on those who don't listen to the podcast. In today's cases, citations in the show notes as always, the decisions were issued in the last three or four days. Both arise out of situations where lawyers were preparing either a non-party witness or their own clients and used documents to prepare the witnesses that were then demanded by opposing counsel. In one of the decisions, the judge ordered the immediate production of all the documents used by the lawyer and the redeposition of the non-party witness with those documents in hand. In the other decision, the judge ordered the documents produced to her for her to review in camera before determining whether to require their production to the opposing lawyer. The opinion in that case, which I will refer to as the just salad case out of the Southern District of New York on May 19, seems to say that the judge was not satisfied with what the judge may have felt were some ambiguous explanations by the plaintiff's lawyer about what the lawyer had shown one of his clients and whether the documents still existed. As I talked about in episode six, federal rule of evidence creates a basis to see documents, to obtain them, that a witness used or was shown to refresh the witness's recollection in order to testify in the deposition. And as I talked about in that episode, there's a right way and a wrong way to phrase the question in order to invoke the disclosure requirements of 612. Specifically, the question you'll wanna ask a deponent is this, did you review any documents prior to your deposition for the purpose of refreshing your recollection in order to testify in your deposition? Now. Asking a question in such a technical, multi-part way is a little clunky, but it covers the elements of the rule. What's the wrong way to do it? Well, you might ask instead, did you look at anything before you came in here today? That's not enough to invoke 612 because it isn't clear from the question and likely from the answer whether the documents were reviewed specifically for the purpose of refreshing recollection in order to testify. So, clunky or not, the way I've suggested is the right way to do it. In the first ruling issued three days ago by a federal court in Maryland, the plaintiff's lawyer in a federal lawsuit against a police department and individual officers uh, prepared an unrepresented third party witness to a murder. Prior to the deposition, the lawyer selected certain documents to show the non-party witness, again, who was unrepresented and actually shared the documents with the witness. The opinion says the lawyer met with the witness about two months before the deposition and then again the day before the deposition. And in that witness's uh, depot, one of the defense lawyers asked the witnesses about the documents he had reviewed. And the witness says, I've reviewed documents and photographs relating to the murder. When the, lawyers, uh, the defense lawyers asked what documents had been reviewed, plaintiff's counsel objected the questioning, instructed the witness not to identify documents that he had been shown. Hence the following effort uh, by defense counsel to obtain an order reopening the deposition and allowing defense counsel both to see the documents and to ask the witness questions about them. The court granted the request, ordered the reopening of the deposition, and ordered the production of all the documents the witness was shown. The plaintiff's lawyer in that case asserted work product privilege, but the court rejected the claim. The court, uh, citing Rule 612 and also case law, generally providing that disclosure of a document to a third party witness the lawyer doesn't represent is inconsistent with an intent to limit the document's disclosure or distribution. And that's the rationale. It arises from the notion that a lawyer who is assembling documents to prepare a witness to testify might have assembled a highly selective perhaps highly misleading collection of documents that might well have affected the witness's testimony and we're entitled to know that this is especially clear if the deponent is not represented by any lawyer and there is otherwise no attorney-client privilege in play in the second decision issued three days ago by a federal judge in the southern district of new york The judge ordered the plaintiff's lawyer in response to a motion to compel from the defense to produce a quote-unquote questionnaire that was shown to one of the plaintiffs before his deposition. Now, the plaintiff's response to the motion to compel might have raised questions in the judge's mind. And the reason is that in the opposition papers to disclosure, the plaintiffs said that the documents being sought by the defendant, quote, highly likely don't exist. The plaintiff's counsel also said that the only documents shown to the witness prior to the deposition were some kind of deposition aid, which was apparently intended, uh, the plaintiff's lawyer said, to provide guidance on what topics and questions might be asked, but didn't contain any substantive information that could have refreshed the witness's recollection. So that would take it outside Rule 612 and the state analogs. So the court apparently had some questions or concerns about the explanations given, including Uh, the ambiguous statement as to whether the documents still existed, but it also appeared from the opinion that the court had a question about the plaintiff's privilege log, which might have been inconsistent in some way with the explanation filed by the plaintiffs in the opposition papers. Uh, Defense in reply says to the court, look, the opposition papers are unsworn and appear to contradict the testimony of the deponent himself about what he was shown. So the court says, look, rather than flatly saying There are no documents of a particular kind. The response was that it's simply likely or highly likely that they don't exist. So what does the court do there? Uh, The judge ordered the plaintiff's counsel to deliver to chambers complete and accurate copies of every document shown to the plaintiff in preparation for his deposition, including but not limited to the deposition preparation aids listed in the privilege log. Judge said that any further translations, because apparently some of the plaintiffs uh, did not have English as their native language, So the court says, any translations of or annotations on the documents, if shown to the witness, must also be produced. And the documents had to be accompanied by a cover letter that listed and described each enclosed document without revealing their allegedly privileged content so that that could be posted on the website and the defense could see in general what was being produced. So what's the lesson here? Number one, if you're showing documents to a non-party witness, non-party witness, unrepresented, The risk is significant that you're going to be required to produce the documents you showed that witness, particularly if the witness is asked the 612 threshold question, whether he or she reviewed them for the purpose of refreshing recollection in order to testify. Number two, if you're showing documents even to your own client, there is still risk that you might wind up having to produce the documents or at least allow the client to identify the documents that they were shown. Uh, if they were used to refresh the witness's recollection for the purpose of testifying. Third, a key consideration is whether the documents were relevant to the witness's testimony and might be fairly said in some part to impact that testimony. Fourth, remember to check out the three chief elements of Rule 612. One, were the documents used to refresh the witness's recollection? Two, was the recollection being refreshed for the purpose of testifying? And three, is it in the interests of justice that the adverse party should see the documents? Now that third element's a little ambiguous, who knows what the interests of justice require, but courts have said that as to that interest of justice element, courts will consider the status of the witness, the nature of the issue in dispute, when the events took place, when the documents were reviewed, the number of documents reviewed, whether the witness prepared the documents reviewed, In other words, whether they were the witness's own documents simply being shown again to the witness, whether the documents in question contain in some part pure attorney work product, such as discussion of case strategy, theories or mental impressions, which might favor redaction or non-disclosure in its entirety, and whether the documents reviewed have previously been produced to the opposing party. All right, some practice tips to help you navigate this issue. Number one, always be mindful that whatever you are showing a witness who is about to be deposed might later be produced. Number two, so be especially cautious when using attorney-client privilege documents that contain your mental impressions or thoughts, perhaps scribbled on some of the documents, or perhaps contained in the documents themselves, such as an internal research or talking points memo. Number three, keep in mind that you are far more likely to be required to produce documents you showed a deponent to prepare them if the deponent is an unrepresented witness, as opposed to your own client. Number four, keep in mind that even when it pertains to your own client, you are far more likely to be ordered to produce documents that either contain simple facts, free of attorney-client impressions and opinions, or that have already been produced in discovery. Number five, consider working from documents, but not showing them to the deponent. For the most part, it's easy enough to explain the points made by your documents without actually providing them or showing them to the deponent. If you must use documents in the prep session, consider showing the witness documents that have already been produced, or that will be produced, but using your privileged documents as notes for you to work from in verbal conversations with the deponent. In other words, show the unprivileged produced or producible documents, no problem there. And simply work from your privileged documents without showing them to the witness. Number six, remember the reason for this discussion in the first place. Production of the documents you use to prepare a witness may show that you or your client presented a very misleading portrait of the evidence to the deponent. If the deponent's testimony then seems to key around the limited puzzle pieces you displayed and appears to have been affected by that selective collection of documents, it could cost you credibility points in front of the jury. As I'm sure you know, non-party witnesses tend to bite back if they feel they've been misled by one side or the other, and they'll have no hesitation telling the jury that. Final point, if you are taking the deposition and you want to be able to get those documents uh, that the witness was shown in preparation sessions, listen to episode six in this podcast and be sure to ask the predicate question. Did you review any documents prior to your deposition for the purpose of refreshing your recollection in order to testify? Some lawyers will ask something a little less technical and something that thus falls short of the 612 predicate, such as, did you look at anything before you came in today? Did anybody show you anything? Those alone are just not going to be enough to convince a judge to order production. You've got to meet the three elements in 612. All right, thanks again for listening. And as always, I ask that you take just a minute, and that's all it takes, to leave us a five star rating wherever you get your podcast. That's a huge thank you to the production staff on these podcasts.